At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The Crypt of the Sun God finally lays open. After several traps and lost companions, the treasure is in sight. Breathing a heavy sigh of relief, Indiana Jones leans on the stone sarcophagus and thanks the fates that he made it to this spot. Peering over and into the now-opened crypt, Indiana is surprised to see nothing of note inside. He tosses the bag of sand he was holding and frantically looks about the room. The scrolls said the treasure would be in there, but they also said that it would be closed when he arrived. It is then that a voice could be heard. Sorry to disappoint you, old man, but it looks like a second place finish will have to be good enough for you today. As the Tomb Raider herself, Lara Croft, boldly stands on a platform above the chamber. Lady, Jones retorts, I came too far and lost too much to let you take that amulet. Lara nods with understanding and drops down. There is only room for one archaeologist, and only the best will walk out of this tomb today. It's Junior versus Little Bird. It's Mungo Kidogo versus the Tomb Raider. It's Indiana Jones versus Lara Croft today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Sicanus. Ray, what a matchup we've got for Showdown September right now. That we're doing, it's going to be insane. In one corner, you've got the archaeologist uh, adventurer that started it all. Of course, we're talking about Indiana Jones versus someone who may have just redefined that same genre and some say do it even better in Lara Croft with Tomb Raider. Uh, again, I'm not going to do the patented who would win Google test that we do normally for our episodes, especially down 
in Showdown September. Right. Millions upon millions of people have already talked about this. But again, just like our previous matchups, they've never been done who would win style to get a conclusive winner in this battle. So with all that said, Ray, who do you think is going to win? What do you think about this matchup? Well, first off, I want you to know that this was a matchup we actually pitched for Showdown September last year in Season 2, and it ended up not making the cut. So I was pushing very, very hard, let's face it, video game characters in Showdown September... I'm here for it. And this is a battle that is talked about a lot. And it's also something that wasn't talked about a lot in the Who Would Win forums. So it is sort of exciting to bring a matchup people didn't know that they needed, but they absolutely needed. Listen, if there's one thing we do, we listen to the fans. We check out their emails. Hashtag we listen. Hashtag James just knows. Hashtag sometimes Ray is right. Now, uh, speaking of listening to our fans, Ray... We get hit with like a deluge of emails, DMs, and what have you. And one came our way, and I just wanted to read this to you. Let's see. So we got an interesting question from our fan base. A fan base I like to call the Legion of Audience. You're May still, not stick, you're but I'm still sticking with that. This th- I'm week still three, on it. and you're still on this train. I just assumed I still you am. would be embarrassed and run from it by now. Listen, very often in my world, when I make a mistake, it's actually something that turns out to be even better than what I was trying to accomplish in the first place. Welcome to what I do. Okay, so here's what this person said. It's from Who Would Win Superfan 91. They said, Hi, James and Ray. Love the show. I sometimes am on Team Ray, but usually I'm on Team James due to the effects of the intoxicating mind fog. I mean, that's, you know, that's fair. That's fair. I may be visiting LA in the near future and would like to take a day to hang out with both of you, of course, individually, not together. What would a day in LA be like with each of you? That is interesting. Little stalkery, but that's okay. A Ray, weird. Let's say a super fan comes into LA and they say they they win uh, a day to hang out with Race to Canis. What would you do during that day? Man, first off, I would uh, I would fire our publicist or whoever booked this particular win for somebody. But <laughs> I love our hashtag awkward allies. Look, the win fans, the woodworkers, whatever you guys want to call yourself, definitely not the legion of audience, James Gavsey. I appreciate each and every one of you when you're not being stupid. So I'm going to assume that this person will not be stupid. Now, you'll have the privilege of being my personal chauffeur to take me to all the different places that I go. So you'll be going to be able to take me to the airport Cinnabon where I'm going to buy a ticket to an airplane and then I'm going to go inside just to get the airplane Cinnabon and then come back outside and be driven somewhere else. Heck, I might let you drop me off at a football game. There are lots of things that I might allow you to do. What I won't do is talk to you. What I won't do is be seen with you, but thank you for coming. I hope it was worth it. Wow, way to win over the fans, Ray. That's that's uh, what I do. That, that, it's what you do. Okay. But, you know, there's one thing. I got to call shenanigans. You're not going to take them to Burger King. You're there, like, on a daily basis, sometimes three times a day. Oh, you th- I've no, seen no, you no, no, James. They can drop me off. This is like high school. You can drop me off, like, a block away from Burger King, and I'll walk the rest of the way. I don't need to be seen at my place of joy with the fans. Oh, okay. Um, let me offer a different day to kind of juxtapose, you know, what, what the, the wonderful day that you offer. First of all, I'll make sure you get picked up in a limo. Then I'm going to make sure you go to the best hotel in L.A. And then we're going to go meet you at a really nice restaurant. Then I'm going to take you on set to watch your favorite show because I do have that kind of pull. And then we're going to go check out a movie premiere. And then I'm going to make sure you have a lot of spending money. And uh, then we're going to call Ray and say, hey, would you like to come out and meet us? You'll come out and meet us. We'll, of course, tell you not where we are so you can kind of go to wherever you are. And then we're going to have a great time. I'll put you on a private jet back to wherever you come from. 
That's typically what a James Gavsey day is like in L.A. At least right. I don't lie to the people like you just did, James. None That's of what that I do on happen. a daily basis. You listen. stop it. Really? Really? You see what I drive? Now, listen, Ray, whatever we do, it's going to be spectacular. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, we're reaching close to our two million, you know, download slash listens. Coming fast. We're going to have to do something spectacular. Just throwing out the ideas out there. Fan base, legion of audience, if you will. Tell us what you think. Do you want to come to L.A. and hang out with us? Let us know. It would be fantastic. And, of course, speaking of fantastic, it's time to introduce our guest judge. Coming back for yet another episode of Who Would Win, it's fan favorite. It's someone that everyone loves. You just can't help it. It's the host of Tuned In on Nickelodeon. It's Rama Valori. Rama, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you both for having me. I'm like a bad penny. I just keep turning up every time. When you think you got rid of me, I'm back. <laughs> All right. Now, Rama, you, you do a lot of voiceover work. You do a lot of acting as well. What have you been up to? Regale us with tales. Tell the Who Would Win fan base what you've been up to. I've been doing a lot of animation voiceover work, some for things that I can't mention yet because they aren't out, some for things I can. I'm multiple voices on Baby Shark's Big Show. I'm on Mirror Royal Detective and a few others that are yet to come out. But mostly we just wrapped filming season two of Tuned In for Nickelodeon, which wow. is a game show I host as a sentient AI robot where kids come play Nicktoon trivia, get slimed, it has all the fun, and then as a special gift for season two, I have a human co-host counterpart now, one Jerry Trainer from oh iCarly, who is an absolutely delightful individual who has some of the most amazing hair you will ever see. The new season drops on September 17th, so... We're back, so take a look at it, enjoy it. Fun for the whole family. Now, when you I, say he was a gift for the robot, does this tie into the upcoming robot revolution? Uh, yeah, yeah. Every robot has a human familiar. Think of it like a, a vampire. See? A vampire's familiar. There is a robot, and then there is a human, because eventually you need some disc defragmenting. Wait, but if the robot bites you, do you become a robot? I think with nanobots... That is possible. That Michael works. Crichton wrote I about this kind of thing in Prey. I knew so. I picked the right side. Rama, you know, I, I got to ask you because there was some stuff I wanted to talk to you about, but this is way more interesting. On a previous episode, we talked about the inevitable upcoming you know, war between man and machine or humans mm -hmm. and machine. And I'm definitely going to be fighting against the machine. Only those that kind of come at me first, kind of mm -hmm. viciously, then game on. Ray thought he would side with the uh, machine and try to be the human emissary if you will, between humanity and the machines. Where are you, really? If, it, if you had to pick a side, which side are you on? I feel like they would leave me alone just because <laughs> I've lived a little while in their hard drives. Ray, as much as you think that you'd be their emissary, I think they might execute you first, just seeing that <laughs> the amount of bluster and power you think you have, they would want to make an example of Almighty yeah. Ray. By yeah. showing wow. you that you aren't as almighty. Mm -hmm. James, because of his Canadian kindness and charm, they might keep around to give the illusion of harmony between AI and humanity. Well, wow. that is ultimately disappointing to hear. <laughs> okay, so again, we have an amazing matchup for Showdown September. We've got Indiana Jones. We've got Lara Croft. We have an amazing judge at Rama Valuri. The whole thing is set, ready to go. Ray, go ahead, do us the honors, and announce today's matchup. 
Representing Action Cinema, the archaeologist who leaves clogged toilets alone because he's too afraid to snake the drain, Indiana Jones. And representing Crystal Dynamics, the archaeologist who often feels depressed because her career is in ruins, Lara Croft. So Ray would get killed first is what you're saying by the machine. I I think so. I think intros like that are part of the reason. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win matchup. Rule number one, each bear will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, which version of Lyric Rock will you be using? Today I'm going to be using, you'd think I'd use the original trilogy, etc. of Lara Croft, but I have found the Survivor reboot by Crystal Dynamics, as I alluded to earlier, is actually a better representation of the character for a battle like this because it also involves a lot of comic books, novelizations, as well as all of the modern stories and video games. I think it's going to be the Survivor Lara Croft. God, that's a lot within that uh, continuity, if I'm not mistaken. It's a lot. To pull from. Okay, very cool. Uh, I'll be going with uh, the Indiana Jones that we know from films, but just like with Lara Croft, the version you're using, there's a lot within that universe that's still canon. There's comic books uh, tied directly to the series, uh, novels, and video games. So I think we're going to be on even footing in that regard. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new merch all the time. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker. 
engineering your success. With the world getting back to -to face-to-face interaction lately, your oral hygiene is more important than it's been in a while. And Quip makes it easier than ever to get back into a daily routine. The Quip electric toothbrush is used by over 7 million people already. And it features a lightweight and sleek design without wires or bulky chargers that get in the way. And Quip now has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide you to a dentist-recommended two-minute brushing time. You can now upgrade your Quip with a new smart motor to track and improve your brushing with the free Quip app and earn amazing rewards like free refills, products, Target gift cards, and more. Quip even has you covered with available refills for mouthwash, floss, toothpaste, and even gum. In short, everything you need to build a complete routine. If you go to getquip.com slash www right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash www, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash www. Quip, the good habits company. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Lara Croft. Lara Croft is an English archaeologist who adventures around the world searching for mysterious relics in ancient tombs. She was created by Toby Gard and first appeared in the video game Tomb Raider back in 1996. Lara is the child of very well-to-do parents who took her on expeditions at a very young age. In the Survivor story arc of the character, her parents died when she was very young, leaving her their vast fortune. Trying to stay grounded, Lara tried living a normal life, so only after college did she start adventuring in supernatural underground caverns and running afoul of mysterious shadowy organizations. Gotta stay grounded. Fun fact, it's pretty well known that Lara Croft's character began as a shameless ripoff of Indiana Jones. And originally, she was planned to be just another male protagonist before the team at Core Design reconsidered. But even after deciding that she was going to be a she, her original name was Laura Cruz. But the UK-based team liked the name, but they really wanted to lean on the character being British. So they opened up a local phone book and they found the closest name they could to Laura Cruz, and it was Lara Croft in the phone book. So that is Lara Croft. You know, people have not been using phone books for years, and mm-hmm. you've just demonstrated exactly why you we still need these things to be a thing. Yeah, I mean, this was nineteen, you know, ni- mid nineties. So, I mean, phone books still had a use back then. The internet was still barely a thing. That is true. That's true. All right, well done, Ray. Now, here are the details for Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones was created by George Lucas and first appeared in Raiders of the Lost Ark back in nineteen eighty one. Renowned archaeologist, professor, and Nazi hater, Indiana Jones was born to medieval history professor. Henry Jones, and his wife, Anna. Indy spent much of his youth traveling the world with his father before his mother died of scarlet fever. Indy, growing restless in his teenage years, joined up with Pancho Villa for a short time before enlisting the Belgian army to fight in World War I. After returning from the war, Indy enrolled in the University of Chicago, got his degree in archaeology, and secured a job as a professor at Marshall College. Despite being a gifted professor, Indiana Jones continued his adventures and put his world-class archaeological skills to the test numerous times to uncover some of the world's greatest secrets as well as defeating the forces of evil trying to find them. And here's an interesting fact about Indiana Jones. Did you know there's a very strong James Bond connection to the Indiana Jones franchise and that it's not just Sean Connery? 
It's true. Sure. Sean Connery played Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones' father in the third installment of the film franchise. However, Indiana Jones himself was inspired by the James Bond franchise. Rumor has it that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were on a beach in Hawaii waiting for the crosses for Star Wars to come in because, you know, that's a thing to do. When all of a sudden Lucas told Spielberg about his idea for Indiana Jones, the conversation started when Spielberg said he'd always wanted to direct a Bond film. And Lucas said he had a better idea. That's when Indiana Jones was really born. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Rama, do you have any questions before we get started? I have one question for Ray. Okay. Are you sure you don't want to pick Lara Croft, UK citizen, as the version of Lara Croft you'd like to battle today? You know, I did a lot of research into the Survivor uh, version. Not as much into UK. You know what? Change it up. We're going to use UK citizen. No, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to stick with my research. I'm going to stick with my notes. Rama, you're very convincing, but I'm going to stick with the with the version I got. Okay, okay. And then, James, you said the version of Indiana Jones you're using involves all of the movies that we know starring Harrison Ford, but also the video games. And does that include young Indiana Jones? Does that include the River Phoenix character from the third film? It or does. Or are you leaving anything in particular out? I'm, I'm actually leaving something kind of interesting out. There's been a number of different series of Indiana Jones comic books. And there was a later series in the 90s that actually is not canon. However, the series in the 80s that came out kind of in the middle of when the movies were coming out is considered part of the lore of Indiana Jones. So I will not be using the and, and oddly enough, this works to raise favor. The more fantastical comic book series that came out in the 90s where crazier stuff happened. I'll stick more with stuff that's kind of more in line with what Indiana Jones did. Got it. Those were my only questions. Now, gentlemen, please proceed to your battle. I love it. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Lara Croft. Let's talk about her weapons and equipment, because one big thing that Lara Croft is going to have an advantage over Indiana Jones is the fact that Indiana Jones was a long time ago. He's from the early 1900s. You know, he fought actual Nazis during actual times when actual Nazis were a thing. That means that the weapons, equipment, etc. that he's going to be using while outstanding for their era are not going to necessarily hold a candle to some of the weapons and equipment that Lara Croft will have today. They didn't necessarily have these type of grenade launchers at the at the ready back in World War II, at least not the way and the stability and the handling that they have them today. So let's talk about her weapons and equipment. First off, the twin pistols. Lara Croft, since day one, has been going full John Woo on her enemies without even thinking about it. She uses two pistols and she shoots rapid fire. One thing about both of these universes is if you get hit by a bullet, it affects you. You don't just shake off bullets in the Tomb Raider or Indiana Jones worlds. We've seen one shot to the head take out just about anybody in both of these worlds, whether they be a fantastical Tomb Raider action sequence or a bar in Cairo for Indiana Jones. Additionally, I think she has the advantage with hand-to-hand -hand weapons. Indy has his whip, obviously. James, I'm sure you'll bring up plenty about that. 
But Lara brings a red climbing axe, which wasn't so much a thing in her original iteration, but it's a huge part of her character in the Survivor storyline. It's a climbing axe that she could use to like hit the side of a mountain or ice sheet and pull herself up, but it's also very, very sharp, uh, pointed and very, very sharp uh, lengthwise to the point where she can sneak up behind people using stealth to her advantage because she's very good at being quiet and, and creating dark areas. I'll talk about that later, but she sneaks up behind people and slits their throat or punctures them with the climbing axe. And if she's able to pull a stealth move on Indiana Jones, he ain't going to see it coming. And she's going to take that climbing axe and she's going to take him out with it. She also, in the newer iteration, is fond of using a bow. Now, Indiana Jones has his pistol, he has his whip. He doesn't really have an answer for a bow. We've seen him run away from bow-wielding characters quite a bit. And she has special additions, enhancements, if you will, that she can put on the arrows, whether that be fire, explosive, one that creates a poison cloud, and my favorite, one that causes fear and causes that person who gets hit in the kind of the scarecrow gas to attack their enemies and become basically useless in a combat situation. Heck, she has a silver strike bow at one point that can pierce multiple enemies at the same time, shooting upwards of, what is it, three shots at the same time? Fantastic. Additionally, she's a genius. She can craft equipment or healing supplies on the fly based on her knowledge of the world around her, of the, of the herbs that she finds. She can create healing balms using those. Heck, mystical artifacts? I think so. We're not going to actually use them, of course. That would be completely outrageous. But let's face it, Lara Croft's been around a mystical artifact or two, and there's no telling what she might find. I don't want to bring up any specific examples because that would be, you know, unsporting of me. But let's just say you never know what she's going to have. And that's my point. Number one. OK, so let me just start this off saying Lara Croft is absolutely fantastic as a character. Badass. Definitely. You got to respect everything that she brings to the table in terms of stealth. That's pretty cool that she's stealthy. I will bring up that Nina Jones is actually trained in espionage and infiltration methods. And so stealth is also a thing he can do. Let's see the bow. Quick question. You know, and, and I'm just asking because maybe I miss it. How many times has Indiana Jones been hit with a with an arrow? Because he's been shot at with a, an arrow many, many times. I mean, he's had clouds of arrows come at him and not been hit that I've seen it. Has he been hit by an arrow yet? Luckily for him, he has never had anybody with Lara Croft's skill be the one shooting the bow at him. Got it. So she is highly skilled, but a bow and arrow is something you could be highly skilled in even back in the oldie times where Indiana Jones. Okay, last question. Um, this is the one that will kind of tell me everything about you, Ray. Is the word pronounced herb or herb? Is it oh, herbs I go, or herb? I go with the Gordon Ramsay pronunciation. Those are my herbs. Herbs. Yes. Bitte herbs. herbs. I, I never know what that one is. Is it herbs? Or is it because in French it's elb. It's not like elb. You know, anyway, just uh, good things. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's over your head. It's all good. All right. Now, let me get to my point number one. And again, we're kind of tracking along the same way. You know, let's talk about what Indiana Jones brings to the table and what he can do. So let's talk about his main weapons, right? You, you went right into it, Ray. I think that was great. Let me do that same thing for Indiana Jones. He's got his eight-foot-long bullwhip. And this is something he uses against his enemies, his adversaries. But he's also good at using it for some other stuff, too. Like, he's so good with it, he can use it to, like, whip at a, a lever or a lever that's far away and kind of wrap it around and pull it. He can use it to latch onto something and swing across rooftops or chasms or what have you. What's funny is that I actually took, you know, some instruction in learning how to use a bullwhip because I thought it was a cool weapon. And the instructor's like, wow, you're really learning how to hit stuff. And I'm like, great. When do I learn how to latch onto something and swing from Billy? And the look he gave me 
like as if like, really, you think that's something you could do. I thought it was something you could do based off Indiana Jones. It's not, but he can do it very easily. Let me keep going. He's got his pistol. Now, this pistol is a very sturdy revolver back from that time. The great thing about firearms is that if you have a great design, if you look at a lot of firearms of today, they're based heavily and still have a ton in common with old school firearms, especially old school revolvers. With a revolver, there's less chance of jamming. It's a more reliable weapon. And uh, it's something that Indiana Jones knows how to use really well. By the way, he's also a great marksman with it. Highly accurate. He's also got a machete, a knife, a blade hidden in his boot, because that's a cool thing to have. He has a what's called a Mark 7 British gas mask bag. Remember, he fought World War I gas, you know, gas. Uh, what was that? Mustard gas was a thing. So he's got this bag. In that bag, he's got what's called alum powder. I had to look it up. That's an old school item used to help with immunizations and can stop certain cuts from bleeding. So it's not going to cure him of anything, but he starts bleeding, whatever. He can actually put that on as if you get a cut when you're shaving. He's got a blinding powder, which he can throw in people's faces and blind them. That's pretty cool. He's got binoculars, which maybe he can use. He's got wire cutters, a lighter, a flashlight, you know, some stuff that you can pull off like a MacGyver with. Let's just put it that way. On top of that, with his firearm, some of the fun fact, Theodore Roosevelt, according to lore, is the one who taught Indiana Jones how to be a good marksman at the age of 10. So he's got years, literally decades upon decades of experience with his firearm. Let's talk about the physicals and what he's got. He's got above average agility. He's got way above average endurance. Speaking of endurance, he can hold his breath for three minutes, which adjusted for inflation is like 10 minutes in 2021. He's so fast that he actually outran a tiger. How that works, I'm not sure. Pretty sure he just dodged it really well. He can dodge gunfire in pitch darkness on pure instinct. That's crazy. He's so skilled in so many other ways. He avoids showers of arrows when shot at him all the time. He's known for that. He caught a, a knife thrown at him using his feet, somehow clapping his feet together and catching a knife at him. Why he didn't use his hands or something else, maybe he was tied up, who knows. His combat methods have been described as, and I quote, a Captain Kirk style of fighting that is half scientific brawling and half martial arts blended into a system that enables him to take out powerful opponents in, or in orth unorthodox ways, which means he's just unpredictable when he fights. He's got a genius level IQ. He's got a genius EQ, which means he can decipher people's intent to come up with a plan of action that typically succeeds, right? He's that good. He can think on the fly. He's that resourceful. He's super strong for his size. He took on a bulletproof fire-breathing dragon in terms of like the crazy stuff he's done. He fought an army of Atlantean giants, which is crazy, and survived that. Not going to pretend he beat them. He fought a giant octopus underwater and won, and he easily beat two swordsmen at once with his bare hands. This guy can do a lot. Look, there's a lot I've laid out for Indiana Jones, and there's a whole lot more, but what I've said so far kind of shows you the type of guy he is. All that together is my point number one. Look, there's a lot of interesting things. You know, some of my favorite Indiana Jones moments is that one time he was on an airplane and Gary Oldman was trying to grab at his legs and he said, get off my plane. And then Indiana Jones just like kicked Gary Oldman right out, you know, or, or that one time. And this is a negative for Indiana Jones. He couldn't tell where Bubba Fett was. And it turns out he was right behind him the whole time. So, you know, bad, bad, bad job, Indiana Jones there. Well, you know, the other thing is, too, in that particular moment, he still shot Boba Fett in the back or whatever, hit his, his uh, backpack to send Boba Fett into the Sarlacc pit until he reemerged in the Mandalorian. Sorry, kids. Spoilers. Yeah, there's a lot going on that Indiana Jones can do, both with as Indiana Jones and other characters in different universes. All of that together kind of makes this for a, a really great matchup. Rama, you've heard points one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far? Right now, I'm wondering why Ray called Boba Fett Bubba Fett, like he's a fan of NASCAR sitting in the inner ring, slamming back PBRs, which 
kind of undermined his lengthy wandering point about Harrison Ford being an actor who plays multiple parts, which just proves Ray's confidence is a little shaken right out the gate. It's it's an interesting thing. Both have a lot of skills with different weapons. Both are adept in unusual, fantastical situations. It's hard to give a definitive answer at at this point of who's leading what, because as Ray pointed out, Lara Croft has some more modern weapons. Indiana Jones has his more traditional weapons. But as we pointed out at the beginning in the rules, like in a physics class, we're assuming a frictionless surface. This isn't mm. time period dependent that he's permanently stuck in 1928, 1935 range up through. I mean, really, he survived a, a nuclear test at Alamogordo in the last movie that we saw. So if we're going Indiana Jones' entire life, he covers a lot of different decades. If he's been trained by Teddy Roosevelt, that's 1890s into the early 1900s. So he's got 50, 60 years worth of time that he's working with. Ray, you're limiting her to the first 25, 26 years of her life. So... If we're going through all of their adventures, yes, she has more modern weapons, Weapons, but as James pointed out, the weapons are largely based on the same things that have been around forever. All you got to do is take a weapon away from either one of them, and turns out that they both could still use it. She's probably a better marksperson with the bow and arrow than he is, but he can swing with a whip. He can do all of these <laughs> things. There are a lot of very resourceful habits that both of them have. So it's very close coming out of this first round. But I will say, James, your Canadian preparedness seems like you know a little bit more about Indiana Jones than our friend Ray knows about Lara Croft. So we'll see what happens in round two. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. That, that, I got to tell you, that is a profound statement. You're right, by the way. All right, Ray, so you heard what Rama None had to say. That's true. How dare you? Go, <laughs> go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Lara Croft. Now, first off, I had a little bit of fun in my counterpoint because James is so wholly overmatched in this battle. But let me go ahead and tell you a little bit more because, oh, James. Oh, no, James. Did Indiana Jones fight a tiger and run away from it? Boy, that's sure an impressive feat. Hey, Lara Croft killed a jaguar. She's also killed a bear. She's killed wolves. At one point in Lara Croft's overall timeline, she's killed dinosaurs and Yeti, but running away from a tiger, I'm sure was a really good point to make for Indiana Jones for you. Great job. Now let's talk about the endurance, martial arts ability and physical feats because Lara Croft can climb, swim, hang on the side of a building, climb up to the highest uh, statues that she finds, and she can seemingly do it all day effortlessly without even breaking a sweat, without even really having to breathe particularly hard afterwards because she is in impeccable shape. I've looked at Indiana Jones. Look, he's not fat, but Indiana Jones, he doesn't exactly take on a Maxim cover model kind of a physique, I'll just say. And also to what you said, Rama, is... Indiana Jones is a little bit older. Lara Croft's got a little bit of youth, exuberance, and that kind of young strength on her side. Heck, some things that Lara Croft has done since Rama doesn't think I know this character, who I've played at least nine or ten games with. She's been caught in an avalanche while hanging off the side of a mountain with her red axe. 
and she was fine. In an avalanche that came on the side of a mountain, and she was fine. In fact, she survives natural disasters like nobody I've ever seen. She survived cave-ins. She survived mudslides. She survived buildings that have collapsed while she was inside of them. She was fine when a steamship she was on exploded. She survived a plane crash. She has survived things that would kill a lesser man over and over and over again. We've seen her fall from great heights over and over again, just landing. She doesn't land on anything soft. Sometimes it's water. Sometimes it's not. And she is fine afterwards. We see Indiana Jones take a little bit of a dive and he's staggered for a certain period of time. Lara Croft is seemingly immune from explosions. She, in the comic books, she shared a room with a suicide bomber who detonated his vest. And Lara Croft was completely unharmed from this. I have seen... In the research for this, Lara Croft be involved at close range to explosion after explosion after explosion, and she is fine. She walks away from absolutely all of it. And let's talk about that fighting style of Indiana Jones, because it is very Captain Kirk-like. I would even argue it's untrained. I would argue that Indiana Jones fights like a guy who's never been trained to fight before, and does it work for him? Somehow, yes, and that's great. But Lara Croft has been trained in martial arts since she was a young child. She has focused on kickboxing. So when it comes down to an actual fisticuffs, if we take the weapons off the table, Lara Croft is going to give him a couple straight on shins to the noggin at high rates of speed that he's not going to be ready for because ain't nobody in an Indiana Jones movie try to give him a savat kick to the head because it would have worked, I promise you right now. Strength-wise, she pushes giant stone blocks much larger than herself in order to solve these puzzles and uses her strength and body weight to pull giant levers to solve the same puzzles. Heck, one time... She got hit by a bear trap. You know, she stepped in one and it closed around her leg. She just pulled the thing off and walked away with no permanent damage. Who does that? Lara Croft does that. And that's my point number two. Couple of things I need to correct for you, Ray, as, as normally I, I have to. So first of all, how old is Lara Croft in, in you know, the Lara Croft version that you're representing? You know, Lara Croft, through her journey... As in the Survivor storyline, we, we pick her up after college. So she, we would assume she's in her early 20s and extends through her mid, maybe even late 20s. Got it. So let's say she's got a good eight years, nine years of a lot of great combat experience, archaeological experience, and what have you. When you kind of put the decades, even if it's 20, 30 years of the kind of grizzled veteran that is Indiana Jones, you know, someone once said this, you can take someone who's got like, you know, that eight years pack a lot of great experience in, but put them up against that person with the, you know, the the grizzled soldier who's seen a lot of stuff and can experience a lot of stuff and do and, and kind of knows how the world works in a kind of a different level. That's the person who's going to come out ahead. All right. Let's kind of uh, correct some things. First of all, she's killed bears, jaguars, yeti and many different animals. Is that correct? And people and people. She sounds like a monster killing wildlife like that. I mean, seriously. Indiana Jones has fought all these different animals. He doesn't like killing animals because they're just innocent bystanders and what's happening on the, the play of these evil people. He doesn't want them getting involved, and yet she just goes around and kills them. That sounds kind of creepy. Let's see. As far, as far as Indiana Jones not being in great shape compared to Lara Croft, she's in great shape. Indiana Jones is ripped, absolutely ripped and in great shape in the first three films. In the fourth, can't really tell you, but in the first three films, he is ripped. You can see his veins, muscles popping out. This guy's in shape. Finally, Indiana Jones has been actually trained in combatives. He's a, a veteran of numerous different militaries. He was part of the French Foreign Legion, I think, for a while. He served in different militaries. 
And he also has been trained officially in different versions of Kung Fu. So I don't think kickboxing will be something he hasn't yeah. seen before. Why doesn't he show it ever in any of his movies? By the way, he does. Sometimes you'll see him throw a punch. It looks like Western boxing, but that same style punch exists in a whole bunch of different styles of martial arts. Hashtag James just knows. All right, let me get to my point number two. And this is going to be a little bit something different. Let's talk about the quick thinking and resourcefulness of Indiana Jones. So I mentioned how he has a genius level IQ and EQ in my previous point. So first of all, he speaks over a dozen languages, including ancient Mayan. He deciphers hieroglyphics without using the Rosetta Stone. By the way, Legion of Audience, if you want to know why that's really important, look it up. Trust me, that'll explain everything. Due to what he's been able to do, he's been able to survive against literal God-level threats and figure out how to survive against insurmountable odds all the time. That's what he's known for. He was kind of like MacGyver before MacGyver was a thing, except it's using you know, makeshift objects to create solutions. He'd observe like the immediate area. He'd see the people within them kind of figure out the dynamics between people and what's happening, the threats, and come up with ways to survive the situation and figure it out. In Rage of the Lost Ark, when the Nazis opened the actual literal Ark of the Covenant, he somehow figured out, as everything's going on, hey, better close your eyes so you don't witness the literal vengeance of God, uh, or the Lord's vengeance is what it was called. He figured that out. I still understand how he did it, but he figured that out but just by kind of figuring out the environment and seeing what's going on, and came up with this resourcefulness. Sure enough, he closed his eyes, the, uh, what was it, the Lord's vengeance destroyed all the machinery, all the Nazis, everything around them until all of a sudden it went back into the uh, Ark and the, you know, everything was fine. He opened his eyes. He's like, wow, even his ropes were burnt apart and he was free. He figured out how to survive that last second out of the middle of nowhere. Uh, let's see. In uh, the fourth, the third movie where his father is mortally wounded, he had to navigate these mazes and these horrible traps to get to where the grail was to kind of find out where the Holy Grail was with the water that he could bring back and heal his father with. So his father's laying dying, I think, after being shot. And he has to figure out all these things where he's deciphering scripture and what have you on the fly. Things are coming for his head. He's trying to figure out how not to fall down cliffs, trying to use sand to find out where the pathway is. He does all of that on the fly perfectly. And then, of course, he finds the grail. And he has to figure out, based again, off ancient hieroglyphic scripture, things he's heard. He pieced it all together with the pressure of his father dying. He pieced it all together within seconds and found the right holy grail to do it. When fighting against the main villain, this is actually kind of crazy, from the Temple of Doom, it was Mola Ram, he survives his initial attack. This is at the end where they're hanging off that bridge, right? And Mola Ram uses his heart attack kind of thing where he had previously ripped out someone's heart and showed him his beating heart, that poor guy he did before. So he's trying on Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones kind of survives it. And then he invokes Shiva. Okay, that's a thing. That's pretty crazy. Which then sets these stones on fire that burn Mola Ram he then falls off to his doom, and he still happens to catch on to one of it. He figured out how to do that on the fly with someone literally trying to rip his heart off as he's hanging off a bridge. Listen, on the spot, Indiana Jones figures out how to do all these things, how to survive everything, because he is so resourceful. It's not that he can just survive things. He can. More on that later. It's just that he can figure out on the spot and see what no one else can see, what no one else can figure out, and bring that all together to get the win. This is what separates the two. Lyra Croft is resourceful, highly intelligent, super tough. But you got to ask yourself this. If she were in any of these same situations as Indiana Jones, would she have gotten through them in one try without having to be respawned back to life like video games allow you to do? The answer is no. As great as she is, she just isn't as resourceful and can figure things out on the fly in a big way to get the win the same way Indiana Jones can do. And that's my point number two. 
Interesting, interesting points you're making there, James. Now, first off, the canon version of Lara Croft absolutely can go through the entire situation and go through these harrowing experiences and survive with just one life. It's just video game physics, James. I'm not the one playing Lara Croft in this battle. It's the canon version who did do all the things, who does know all the languages, who is considerably a genius level IQ and absolutely can accomplish all these intellectual feats that Indiana Jones has done without question. And a couple things I want to talk about here that you brought up is... Indiana Jones, when he fights. Now, one of the things I noticed, a certain pattern that developed while watching every Indiana Jones fight is that he fights in an effort to run away a heck of a lot. He doesn't fight and then stand over people and, and, and then get his victories. He's often fighting people away from himself so he can try to escape. That's not going to work in a who would win battle. You talk about motivations. He's much more about self-preservation most of the time than actually getting over on his enemy. The other thing is you brought up a great example. I didn't think about of how it works together until you mentioned it, but he was mind controlled in the temple of doom movie. He turned into a bad guy through this ancient, you know, a mystical mind control. So what's stopping the Lara Croft fear gas that I mentioned in my point number one, from overtaking him and just frankly causing him to be not a threat anymore, at least for two minutes, or that she could dispatch him, or he just runs away. So first of all, he's usually in the middle of large armies or groups of people infiltrating places where then they, you know, he's got to do something and they come after him. And instead of standing, taking on full armies, he fights his way out. That's the thing he does. Number two, does Lara Croft have the same stuff on hand that he was used against Indiana Jones and Temple to do. Maybe she does. I'm just asking. I mean, if you're asking, does she have the fear gas? She has it in the games. Right. She does not have those same ingredients, nor does she have the ability to tie him down for a long time and She'd then pour the gas out. down. It's up in the air. All right, Ron, we've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. We're now at the turning point. This is where you have to tell us who you think is ahead in the battle and what the other side has to do to pull out the victory. I want you to listen closely because this is the sound of the almighty Ray's train toot tooting its way back into the fight. Wow. Because Ray brought up some excellent points about Lara's training and her abilities, and your point, James, largely rested on assuming that she couldn't get out of the same situations as Indiana Jones purely because she wasn't in those situations, and then video game respawn logic, as Ray pointed out, it ultimately is in the hands of the player, but in this case... The player is Lara Croft, who has all of these capabilities, the intelligence, the skills, the training to survive in a lot of ways. Do I think that she would stand in the middle of a Nazi army or in the middle of a thuggy temple and try and take on everybody at once? No, I think she would use the same kind of intellectual acumen as Indiana Jones to fight who she needs to, to get away, ultimately, to get over at the end. The point about hunting as you pointed out, pointed out, largely immaterial. A lot of people hunt. The guy who owns Jimmy John's is a big game hunter. Doesn't do anything for me. James, so it's Mola Ram, not Mola Ram. So you uh, <laughs> played by the great actor Amrish Puri. He played Mola Ram in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Wait till you hear how James <laughs> has been pronouncing Lara this entire time. <laughs> anyway, as we get back to the point about fear gas and, and mind control... One fear gas, one form of mind control can be comparable to the next. If we assume that Lara Croft's mind control gas is on the level of something, let's say, like 
scarecrows out of the DC universe or the hypnotic effects that you're getting from Molaram in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, then at least for a very short period of time, typically video game logic you're talking about, as Ray pointed out, two minutes of confusion for Dr. Jones. Is that enough to take him out of his logical place for her to get one over? Possibly. As you bring up the Captain Kirk fighting abilities, it's a lot of fists used first and then logic applied later. For those listening, see the episode where he fights the Gorn that will tell you everything you need to know about Captain Kirk fighting. Now, I won't say that the brawler logic is all there is to Indiana Jones, as James pointed out. He does have multidisciplinary training and that's true he is a soldier he has marksmanship he has all these things and he is in peak physical condition if we are assuming in both cases you are choosing them at their absolute peak so ray you calling him a broken down old man doesn't track if we're saying his physique is the same as it is in raiders of the lost ark versus the alien one that nobody liked at the end so if we're saying that he's 35 to 40 in the best shape of his life having survived all kinds of things including world war one with mustard gas and all of that we know that he's a survivor we know that he's smart we know that he can get a lot of things done and in high pressure situations his mind is as sharp as a tack that can also be said of Lara croft who you pointed out survived things that only buster keaton has survived like taking an avalanche to the dome and not reacting but i will say in the first in the first round, James had a bit of an edge based on the sheer knowledge and breadth of the abilities and materials possessed by Indiana Jones, so he was slightly ahead. And now you're neck and neck going mm-hmm. into this final round because, as Ray pointed out, Lara's no slouch. It's not someone playing the video game on easy. It's someone with complete mastery. Perhaps that's Ray. He talks a lot about his video game prowess. I can't say. I don't watch his Twitch stream I don't know if anybody else does either. But that brings us to this round where you got to lay it all on the line. Right now, we've talked a lot about physical fighting abilities and weapons that you have on hand with some mentions of just basically mentioning genius level IQ or EQ in both cases. So what I need, knowing that, yes, they're both fight trained. Yes, they both have mastery of weapons. Yes, they are smart. How are they going to put all of that together? Assume, again, a frictionless surface. Assume they are evenly matched. Assume that they are at the peak of their abilities. What is the one thing that Indiana Jones has that Lara Croft doesn't? What is the one thing that Lara Croft has that Indiana Jones doesn't that puts them over the top? That is what I'm looking for here. Because right now, you both are making some very compelling arguments even with Ray calling Boba Fett Bubba Fett and you calling Molaram Molaram. Interesting. 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 All right. Very cool. So, Ray, we're now kind of neck and neck again. We've been here so many times. It's now getting ridiculous. And this is where, again, I've learned from experience. You bring in the heavy artillery. You kind of come with a great strategy. You've been up in your game. I think I may actually have an idea of where you're going with this, but I may be surprised. So with all that said, hit us with your point number three. 
Point number three for Lara Croft and where we really bring it home is just how we put this all together. It's so funny, Rama, how that's what you're looking for because that's what I'm prepared to give you. Who knew? First off, you talk about what a survivor uh, they both are. It's true, but I would argue that she's a bigger survivor and part of the reason why she's such a great survivor is her tracking and survival skills. You talk about hunting not meaning anything. I think it does mean something because it gives you a certain killer instinct. It gives you the ability to finish. It gives you the ability to finish the job. And now she can track, she can survive. She has those skills. She's had to do it out in the wilderness over and over and over again. How? Because she was trained to use all five of her senses to a higher level. No, I'm not going to argue that she's Wolverine out here, but I would say that she's more in tune with her five senses and how to use them. She has very superior hearing as well as her other senses. In fact, one time she was walking into a cave where there was a guy who was trying to ambush her from the darkness, but she could smell his sweat in the air. So she knew that there was somebody in that cave and she was not able to be ambushed by him because she already knew. And if there's one thing Indiana Jones does, that's sweat. I see that man sweat an awful heck of a lot. Hey, one thing that happens a lot is people try to get the jump on her from behind, whether they are sneaking, using stealth, what have you, but they never succeed. And why? Because she hears it. She feels it in the ground. Anytime somebody tries to come up behind her, she no-look blocks it. She's done this in the games and in the comic books over and over again. Heck, she once did it to a jaguar. A giant creature, you know, cat, came from behind and tried to attack her, ran and lunged at her with jaguar speed. She felt it coming. She heard its presence. She dodged out of the way at the last second, and then the jaguar disappeared into the darkness. Those cats move fast, and they move ferociously. They also have a predatory instinct that she does. Indiana Jones ain't coming like that. And she was able to get out of the way of that. Heck, she's going to use stealth in this battle. One thing that she did was that she wanted to use stealth against her opponent in, in one of the battles. What did she do? She destroyed all the lights in the area to create as much darkness as possible so she could skulk around the darkness because she knew that if she could take the sense of sight off the table, she had a monstrous advantage over her opponent. So what she she's going to do to Indiana Jones is she's going to create as much darkness as possible because Indiana Jones ain't ready to fight like that, but she is. She's going to sneak up behind him. She's either going to use the darkness to her advantage to come up behind and use that axe and, 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 and cut him down or take a big swing at him, or more likely, she's going to hide in the darkness. She's going to pull out that bow, and she's going to cap him right there in the head or use one of her powerful fire explosive fear bows and take him out that way. And if you take out the, that kind of sense of sight for Indiana Jones against a character like Lara Croft, he has no chance. She just uses the environment better than he does. And the last thing to talk about, mystical weapons. Lara Croft, through her adventures, has had access to some crazy mystical weapons. The Excalibur sword, wielded by King Arthur, broke into four pieces. She found all four, forged them back together again, and used the sort of legend from King Arthur legend Excalibur. What's stopping her from using it here? And the other big one, Mjolnir. 
She found and used Thor's hammer and Thor's gauntlets, which had some sort of electricity property to them, and allowed her to wield the hammer of Thor. She is worthy. That's the big point I'm making. And she has mystical weapons to use whenever the heck she wants to. She keeps them in a display case. Who's to say, knowing there's a battle coming, she doesn't bust one out and bust Indiana Jones right in the head with the hammer of Thor. And that is my point number three. Wow. So much to unpack with that. Okay. First of all, interesting. I'm not surprised that Lyricroft has that stealth ability about her and can hunt the darkness. So what's really cool about all of the continuity with Indiana Jones is that within the comic books, the novels and what have you that are considered part of the character's lore, he's actually made a, he's got especially where he fights in the darkness. Remember I quoted earlier how he can uh, dodge gunfire by instinct with his, you know, in the darkness without being able to see it. That's something he's done. He's dodged uh, arrows. He's fought creatures underwater in darkness. He fought a giant squid underwater in the darkness. But, you know, he stated that and still won. Being in the dark is not going to be a problem for him. He'll be able to, he's done it many, many times. Remember, over a career, if you will, of decades. This is something he's done quite a bit and he's quite adept at it. By the way, again, espionage, infiltration, being sneaky himself, something he's been trained in as well over a, quite a bit of time. Very interesting that you brought up these mystical weapons. One question about that. Were these part of Lara Croft's usual accoutrement, if you will, or were these one-offs? She has used them in the games before and often keeps trophies in her trophy room. So in a random encounter, does she have a way to pull these one-offs from her trophy room into the battle? Does she have a teleport? And I'm just asking because I don't, I'm not familiar with this aspect of the character. Does she have a way to bring those one-offs, if she still even has them, from her trophy room into this random encounter that happens out of the blue. Why not? Got it. So I'll be take that as a no. Okay. Well played, Ray Sicanus. Okay, this is interesting. Let me go to my point number three, because we're actually going to have something in common with this. My point number three is all about the ultimate survivability of Indiana Joes and how he uses that to tie into getting a victory. So Lara Croft, again, no joke, survives some horrific conditions, some insane injuries, is extremely tough, etc. There's no doubt about that. However... Indiana Jones' ability to survive literally anything, I mean literally anything, is on another level. In fact, his survivability survivability may be actually, I hate to say this, the best way I can describe it is an actual superpower. It's almost like Domino, that character Domino from uh, Deadpool 2, where she had such great luck, she could survive everything just because she could. Look, throughout Indiana Jones' adventures, he's demonstrated that he's a master of one thing, surviving everything, and then winning in the end. Maybe that's thanks to his IQ and EQ, or surviving something in a way which gets him to that victory some way, some shape, somehow. So, for example, he's been smashed around by a giant grizzly bear, then walked it off. Somehow survived it, and then walked it off. In one of the video games, he got hit point blank by a flamethrower, and nothing. He was fine. Some might call that a glitch in the video game. I call that survivability. In one of the books, he went over a huge 200-foot waterfall after taking a massive beating and just swam to uh, the shore absolutely fine. That's after taking on an army you know, getting hit with the army, he escaped, got blah, 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 200 feet down. Now, by the way, I think the world record is less than 200 feet. Indiana Jones did that and walked it off fine. He got hit with someone who also had a bullwhip, and he was using that well. He was taking chunks out of the metal walls and everything. He got hit by it and was actually okay, shook it off pretty quickly. He survived Mola Ram, the villain from the Temple of Doom movie, again, trying to rip his heart out. That's insane. Let's see, in the same movie, he gets poisoned and still keeps on fighting. Remember at the beginning of that really cool scene at that nightclub? He gets poisoned, keeps fighting, survives until he gets the antidote and, you know, escapes the whole situation. He knows how to survive in a small way. He took a sword to the head and was fine. 
The sword didn't draw any blood whatsoever. Maybe it's his fedora. Who knows? When a sea kraken or a giant squid was trying to pull him off a boat, he saved himself by looking around saying, God, if I detonate this crate of grenades in close range in such a way where the sea kraken takes me in, I can maneuver myself last second around the body of it and force this into the sea kraken's body. Boom. He got the sea kraken's destroyed. This thing was ripping apart a ship. It was massive. It was giant. Indiana Jones, he was okay. When a magical blast of energy that can destroy huge temples of stone temples hits Indiana Jones, he says, wow, it felt like I got hit by lightning. Didn't feel good, but I was okay a few seconds later. Look, all these feats of survivability, they're crazy. They're, they're, they're kind of crazy. You'd almost say they're superhuman. But we've got something extra special that really denotes how superhuman his, his survivability is. Sure, again, I talked about Lord's Vengeance when he opened up the Ark of the Covenant surviving that. Guess what? That's not even what I'm talking about. Rama, you've talked about the nuclear bomb thing that happened in the fourth movie, okay? Here's the deal. Let me set that up. So he's in this weird kind of town with mock-ups of like, you know, you remember like the, the families, the dummies or whatever, all the houses. He hears the alarm. Nuclear bomb is about to be set off. He's at ground zero for that. So what does he do? He runs all over the place. He runs back in the kitchen. He sees an old school fridge, puts himself into the fridge, somehow closes it. Doesn't lock it, by the way, because that's from the outside. Just closes it, holds it tight. The nuclear bomb goes off, destroys the entire city, vaporizes it. The fridge survives somehow and gets shot through the air. It looks like at least hundreds of yards and then hits the ground super hard, tumbles, luckily lands facing up. So Indiana Jones opens the door, gets out, kind of like, wow, that was not cool, and then just slowly walks it off. What do you call that? By the way, I don't know what's worse. If you remember this, because we're all like kids from the 80s, by the way, or we'll have 80s TV. Do you remember that particular and very sad and emotional episode of Punky Brewster where her friend Sherry put herself into a fridge outside because they're playing hide and seek, and she suffocated, and they had to open it and form CPR, and luckily they saved her? What's more dangerous than a fridge from the 80s? That's right, a fridge from the 50s. And that's what he put himself in. I'm almost wondering if the uh, nuclear bomb actually saved him from the fridge as opposed to the fridge saved him from the nuclear bomb. All joking aside, to survive a nuclear bomb, get sent out and then hit the ground, get up and get going, that is someone who has a high level of survivability. Remember, according to Laura, he was in his late 50s, early 60s when that happened. So when you put that all together, can Lara Croft survive a nuclear bomb blasted fridge through the air? Again, the Lord's vengeance and what have you. No. And remember, every time that Indiana Jones survives this crazy thing, he wins or it leads to his victory each and every time because, again, he uses his combination of his EQ and his IQ. That survivability, that EQ, IQ, that training, all of that put together is why even despite an amazing opponent like Laura Croft, Indiana Jones still wins this battle. That's my point number three. You're saying tons of great stuff. Like he is a great survivor. Uh, and I really appreciate his movies. I think the less said about that nuclear bomb fridge incident, the better. Uh, it is a, it is a bit that is maligned and made fun of so much to the point of in a one of the Fallout New Vegas, they made a joke where a, a skeleton in a fridge with an Indiana Jones hat appeared. It's sort of a gag more than it is an actual feat, but good on you for bringing it up. I don't know I would have had the bravery. At the end of the day, Lara Croft has better weapons. She's better trained. She has enhanced senses. I don't want to say Wolverine level, but maybe Wolverine level. She's just playing a better survivor as far as tracking, hunting, and all that goes. 
And she has the ability to use stealth in a way that Indiana Jones just doesn't. You talk about he's able to do all these things, but I've given you, Rama, concrete examples of when she hunted people specifically in the dark. Heck, one time in one of her games, she climbed up a tree. She shot a dude with an arrow with had a little rope attached to it, pulled it back using her own body weight to hang him in the air like Spider-Man. And then she took him out and tied him up like Spider-Man. I don't want to say Lara Croft is also Spider-Man, but she's probably <laughs> also Spider-Man. I just don't think Indiana Jones has what it takes to compete against all this. Eight years of training experience, a quality eight years versus decades of training experience and real life experience in a whole bunch. By the way, he's had to deal with stealth quite a bit. We've seen that in some of the movies. All right. With all of that being said, Rama, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. Now it's time for you to come up with your decision. Take us through your process. Give us your wisdom and tell us who wins this battle. I know Ray kept saying he doesn't want to say that Lara Croft is Wolverine, but then immediately said she's Wolverine. He did, said he didn't want to call her Spider-Man and yet did call her Spider-Man. He said at the beginning that he wasn't really going to talk about these one-offs. And then his closing point was one-offs like Mjolnir and Excalibur. So Ray... There's a lot of duplicity in your arguments here, so I'm trying to ignore all of the stuff that you said you didn't want me to pay attention to, even though you hammered on them <laughs> as the key points to almost everything that you were talking about. So let's go back to round one. We were talking about this issue of weapons and what you will do with them. I think it's fair to say that the weapons that Lara Croft has access to on balance are better and she is trained specifically with them. Some of the things that Indiana Jones is using, whether it's his revolver, whether it's his whip, or what's in his pack, a lot of it comes from, as you said, James, that MacGyver idea of necessity breeding design. So we know that he can survive, and he can fight, and he is a trained fighter in a very fisticuff-based Captain Kirk kind of way, where the fists are doing more of the action. As Ray pointed out, Lara Croft has more of the cross-training from more complicated martial arts, whether jiu-jitsu or any, anything else specifically. She is built for that kind of fighting, built for that kind of mentality. In the second round, we talked more about the intelligence factors or stealth factors. And it was very interesting hearing you bring up the more supernatural elements, James, because yes... There are things that Indiana Jones seems to deal with regularly that are far beyond the pale of reason that most people would think of. Ray, when you're bringing up the point of tracking and finding finding her way through a cave with, with the giant jaguar or, or whatever giant feline beast you're talking about, in the fourth Indiana Jones game, The Emperor's Tomb, he had to escape a giant crocodile. So there's comparables in terms of what giant animals you have to get past, destroy, avoid, and are horrifying there. Which is, it's very intriguing because then I'm looking at it in the in the combination of he has the logical present enemies of Nazis or Soviets or bounty hunters who he's fighting in the first one, his rivals. He has real-world enemies and then he also has spiritual enemies enemies whether it's the wrath of god in raiders of the lost ark whether it's invoking thuggy rituals or invoking shiva to protect himself 
or knowing, having the wherewithal to identify the cup of the carpenter in the last one, and then facing aliens at the end of our favorite Fridge movie. He's had to deal with a lot of these things regularly, where the expectation for the unexpected is always there. Which brings us to this last fascinating <laughs> round, where one-offs in Mjolnir and Excalibur all, all came into play, and what really stuck with me because I honestly thought going into this, I knew who was going to win based on recency, based on abilities, based on who you chose in iterations at the beginning of it. But there are two things that came up which ended up the deciding factors for me. And I, I'm kind of shocked that I'm saying it. One was the fact that you said, why not, Ray? Which when the question was brought up of how would she get things like Mjolnir and Excalibur to her at the random, why not? She could just have a portal. Why not? Uh, no, Ray, that, that, that's a no from me. That's, you can't have a Mary Poppins bag of tricks just because you forgot to make that point at the beginning of the battle that she does have all of these things with her, which James did point out all of the things that Indiana Jones has with him in his pack. So that point kind of, threw off for me but the real thing that decided it goes back to that buster keaton mentality that came up earlier when i was describing Lara croft's ability to survive an avalanche james gave me about 18 instances of indiana jones somehow despite everything else going on regardless if it's a nuclear bomb or it's the wrath of god or something there's that ridiculous survivor thing that he just has a way that he gets away. And I didn't hear anything convincing on your side that would say, well, he does survive all of these things, regardless of the circumstance, realistic or fantastical, that would change that for me with your final argument in that round. So uh, blame Canada, James wins. Unbelievable. Race to Canis. Race to Canis. Race to Canis. Well played today. You almost got away with it. I did a little bit of research before uh, just on her weapons, and you had to keep going to the welfare weaponry. Tell me, Ray, how does it feel repping this character so hard and unfortunately coming up just a little bit short? Obviously, hashtag Ray was robbed. This is, look, I've been playing a little bit of Red Dead Redemption 2 lately, and I have never seen a mugging much like <laughs> Arthur did in that game until Rama Valuri walked in, put a gun to me, took all my possessions, and rode away on a horse today. I mentioned constantly, constantly, how many times Lara Croft survived things that kill normal people. I talked about all these things, and apparently you just forgot. I talked about how she is Wolverine. She is Spider-Man. She has, she's Thor. She has Mjolnir, and somehow you're going to tell me that a chubby dude with a fedora in an old-timey fridge is going to stand up to all of that. Shame on you, Judge. Shame on you, James. Shame on this whole operation. Lara Croft is the winner. I have declared it. Ray, uh, I'll, I'll say this coming into this battle. Coming into this battle, I was sure Lara Croft was going to win it. I would have said, if anybody had asked me, just A or B, who would win in a fight? Lara Croft or Indiana Jones, I would say Lara Croft every day, except today 
because of your argument, you failed Lara Croft. Oh, oh, oh. That is what happened, right? Oh. You I failed. Didn't fail anybody, you mugged Bob yourself Bob. of a you. victory. You, you Ray, mugged Shame yourself. You. you have no one to blame but yourself. More importantly, was it the uh, Punky Brewster reference that really put me over? I thought the, I feel the, it was. Wow, the Punky. As someone who has been trapped in the trunk of a 1986 Mercedes Benz ES car or SEL, sorry. Wow. Trapped in a Mercedes-Benz 86 SEL who thought he was going to die, much like Punky Brewster's friend. That did hit home, James. That <laughs> did hit home. That was completely <laughs> unintended, but um, uh, I just wanted a cute 80s reference. I didn't want to bring up past emotional trauma. But if it works, it works. And I'll do it again next time you're on the show. All right. Rami, you were fantastic again. There's a reason why everyone loves you and you kind of absolutely showed it. We are so happy for your success. We predict massive things for you. Please tell our audience where they can enjoy everything that is you. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Rama Valuri is the handle. That's where you will mostly find me. I am apparently regularly on Nickelodeon now. So starting September 17th, tuned in season two. With myself as Nikki the Robot and iCarly's Jerry Trainer, And then stay tuned for all of the other exciting things. Love it. All right. Ray Sicanus. How do you feel? Just lay it on us. What, what's going on through your head? You've been on a hot winning streak. However, Showdown September's kind of been a different thing for you. Where's your head at with all of this? My points today were pure perfection. My counterpoints were genius. My tactics were of the highest caliber. And yet somehow, James and his mind fog nonsense tricked another judge. Rama, you've been bamboozled today, much like Mirage and Apex Legends, and shameful. Shame on everybody. Lara Croft is the winner. I don't care. I'm vetoing the judge's decision today. <laughs> Lara Croft is the winner. Everyone at home knows it. Go to at Almighty Ray on Twitter. Hashtag Lara wins. Hashtag Ray was robbed. I could not have done more than I did today, and I could not have proven it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Any harder than I did. So to see this miscarriage of justice perpetrated on us all, shameful, shameful. Why do you think that Ray would be the uh, first one to be killed in a um, you know robot uprising? Because Ray can never admit when he's wrong, and when he's talking to an art- artificial intelligence, a supreme intelligence like a computer that is smarter than him. He will still insist that he is right. <laughs> Thus, they, the computer will kill Ray first to make an example of all mankind. Ray was wrong. And the fact that he never uses his indoor voice. That too. All right. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Hoodwin Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? 
Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.